I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, good afternoon to you on this Friday. Great to be here with you. I'm Nadine Blaney, and this is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two expert guests, all in the space of 60 minutes. Now, we've got quite the list here that we'll be going through today. Let me get you through the first five. We'll be talking Harvey Norman. We'll be talking QBE Insurance. John, if you're out there, we'll be speaking about base resources for you. And Brickworks is also on the list, considering it did reports just the other day. That'll be an interesting one to discuss. And Latitude Group Holdings for Gareth. Gareth, I hope you're watching or listening. We'll be getting there in the next little while. But I'd like to get the stock of the day under our belts as per usual at the top of this program. Now I'm just checking my screens because when I was keeping an eye on the market in the first hour of trade, we did have computer share as the best performer. And that is, of course, because we are in a rising interest rate environment. If we know anything, we know that this week. The FOMC hiking rates by 75 basis points for the third time in a row. We have Jerome Powell saying that he's going to keep at it in terms of rising rates until inflation gets brought back under control. Six central banks through the overnight lifted rates as well. So the outlier really is the Bank of Japan, or we could say the Bank of Turkey, which (laughs) cut rates, believe it or not, through the overnight period, even though inflation there is running at around 80%. So the question is for the stock of the day, uh, would you be buying computer share? And to help answer those questions and more, we're joined here in studio by Philip Pepe from Sean Partners. Wonderful to see you. And remotely, Junbei Liu from Tribeca Investment Partners is joining us as well. Um, so look, Philip, I'll start with you on the stock of the day computer share question because you have to be thinking about the macro when you're investing these days. Absolutely. And days like today highlight just how fearful people are of further interest rate rises. Uh, and yes, I think computer share is worth a buy despite its recent strong share price movements. Uh, they put out very strong guidance with their full year result for earnings per share up 50- now, a lot of that is because of the interest rate rises that they knew of, of at the time, and some of it is to do with their, their recent corporate trust acquisitions. Uh, they face some cost headwinds like many companies do. They are an IT heavy and labour intensive corporation, so those cost pressures are going up. But despite that, they've put out a 55% um, EPS guidance, which may well prove to be conservative. Last financial year, about 10% of their revenue was interest income, but that's about 35% of their profits. That'll increase materially into FY23. They've got um, about 38 billion uh, in cash and investment balances, and they're flagging 520 million in margin income. That's a material increase on PCP. So that's a very good, um, uh, well, that that alone is a reason to buy um, uh, QBE, computer share, I think. Yeah, CPU, absolutely, to buy from me. Okay, wonderful. We've started out this program pretty strong with a buy from Philip Pepe from Sean Partners. June Bay, I think we've got you there. 
What do you make of computer share given the inflationary and interest rate environment that we're in now? share price can move very, very quickly. Now for computer share at this point, if you put the spot bond yield uh, interest rate, future predicted interest rate in, uh, it is it is probably come about 20 to 30% upgrade compared to consensus numbers. So for me, you need to, investors need to follow earnings. If the earnings going to be upgraded by that much, share price certainly heading higher. And another point is, this company, um, as Phil touched on before, um, never used to make so much out of the interest margin. And now suddenly it's a big part of their earnings. And this company will generate so much cash flow just from those extra margins that they make. And that cash flow, at this point, market hasn't really considered what they're going to do with it because they can use those to buy creative businesses. Um, now, whether market will like it or not, it certainly is going to be very creative using those excess cash flow that they you know, previously didn't expect to have to reinvest into a business. So um, all of that are very positive for this company and it's, it's absolutely a buy at this point. Double buy to start this Friday edition of the call. Great to have you guys here with us. Great because you've known each other for quite a few years as well. So that being said, Philip, if you disagree with something that Junbei says and vice versa, Junbei, don't be afraid to do so. All right, let's get to the companies that have been uh, put forward by you. And uh, here's an interesting one to start the conversation, being Harvey Norman. This is for Terry. Terry, thanks for writing in. Remember, this is information only. This is not advice for your specific uh, personal circumstances. Um, But Harvey Norman, so we're talking about inflation. We're talking about rising mortgage rates. We're talking about a weak consumer, Bay. Uh, We bought a lot through the pandemic. Does Harvey Norman still have some upside left in it? Look, um, I think Harvey Norman will be in a tough place in the next 12 months. Um, I think the earnings still looks very strong, as you touched on. And the next three months to six months perhaps still looks okay. But certainly going forward on a 12-month view, it's looking increasingly tough. Uh, One is, like you said, that we bought so many things before. And two is that, um, you know, consumer will be going through a little bit tougher periods. Um, And at the same time, the housing cycle is turning somewhat. You will see reduced turnovers. And that reduced turnover simply means reduced volume for furniture. So, um, so, you know, having Norman will be in the tough phase in the next um, next 12 months. um, and it's just the wrong point of cycle owning it. Um, I will be selling the stock um, at this point and um, just as the earning will need to be rebased. Okay, so we've got a rebasement of earnings in June Bay's uh, perspective for Harvey Norman. But, you know, it's got property, doesn't it? And it's got diversity in terms of geographical exposure. I mean, if you think about not just here in Australia, but overseas as well. I mean, is there, are there any positives when it comes to Harvey Norman? It, it does have the properties. I, I think it's a sell, by the way, because I think the positives are in the, in the price. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Bay said earlier, share prices tend to follow earnings and consensus has got about a 15% per annum decline for the next two years. So that, that's some strong headwinds to fight. It's hard for companies to outperform in declining earnings cycle. Uh, if you look at the trading update it gave for the first few months of this financial year, Australia's doing well. Uh, I think Singapore uh, is doing well, uh, parts of Europe. Canary in the coal mine, New Zealand struggling. So there are regions starting to struggle. Uh, and if you look at the latest um, uh, ABS retail sales data, uh, home home goods are one of the only ones to decline in July. So we're starting to see things cycle off a high base. They clearly benefited from um, 
the work at home, stay at home, uh, you know, in buying more technology to use at home, buying white goods, etc. Property prices high off a of mean you, you trade up in terms of your furniture. That's now those earnings are now coming off a high base. At about fifty percent of their earnings come from Australian franchisees. So despite being diversified, they are still quite reliant on the Australian consumer and weaker um, strong headwinds in terms of interest rate rises and property price reductions, cycling strong comps in some of their mm -hmm. categories. I think uh, Jumbo is right to be cautious and it's not expensive, but it's not cheap. So it's probably easy ways to make money. So it's mm -hmm. a sell from me in the near term. Because there's opportunity cost, right? If yeah. you hold on to something like Harvey Norman going into this slowing cycle. And it's interesting you bring up the uh, New Zealand experience because of course they're ahead of us in yeah. terms of their interest rate hiking cycle. So yeah, okay, that's a sell coming from both of our expert guests today. Let's get on to the next company. Again, a household name, so I don't really need to need to introduce it. QBE Insurance, this is for Tim. Tim, thanks for joining us. Now, Philip, I'll start with you on this one. <clears throat> is this yet another one of those companies that does potentially stand to benefit in a rising interest rate environment? Is that enough for you to be a buyer of QBE? I think it's a buy for, for two reasons. Uh, firstly, it's a, an insurance company, so it, it collects premiums, um, which it uses to pay claims, but it gets to invest those premiums in investments and largely cash and fixed interest security. So they will definitely benefit uh, from rising rates because they have an investment portfolio, which would directly benefit one for one. I think it's about, I think 10% of their gross written premium uh, was investment income. That will grow going forward as, as rates rise. But they've also done a good job in improving their profitability, and particularly in the US. They were making a loss uh, in the US a year ago. Uh, they delivered a 7% insurance profit margin pre-interest in the latest results. So they're improving their profitability. Um, their outlook is conservative. They've guided their December year end. They've guided to 10% growth written premium growth, uh, despite delivering mid-teens in the first half uh, and adding to provisions where they could have been releasing. So. I think their first half results were conservatively stated, chance to, for some upgrades in the second half, plus the benefit of interest rate rises. So I think uh, there's multiple reasons to own QBE, uh, and it's not expensive uh, at the current price, so it's a buy from me. Buy. Um, Jimbe, would you be buying QBE earnings upgrade cycle? That's when you would like to buy. Do you sort of uh, agree with Philip on his assessment of, of the real tailwinds for the company right now? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and um, uh, look, this company is in a really good spot at the moment. They have had a really tough many, many years and, you know, where they had all the um, excessive claim across the props and things. Um, and um, and then just in the last few years, we've started seeing the commercial rate start improving the right way. And the commercial rate has been uh, reasonably strong, actually quite strong in the last uh, in the last 12, to, uh, 12 months. And then going forward, we in fact, we just went to US and saw some of their competitors, such as Traveler, and they talked to the commercial rate continue to be increasing in the double digits. So, um, that's actually going really well and for this company that's very important and then aside from that invest income and everything else so um, you know look this business is in a good spot um, at, at this point and it's defensive because the insurance company um, and um, and then it's not uh, as expensive and if you compare this stock um, QBE tend to be used as a macro stock as well be like TPU um, uh, and uh, it actually in terms of performance has lagged um, other sort of similar interest rate sensitive or um, sort of rate sensitive sort of stock so um, it does place it in a pretty good value bucket it's a buy it's a buy it's another double buyer investment committee is going to be busy this time around 
Um, Jimmy, just picking you up on that, I mean, is now a time to have some defensive names in the portfolio? Look, it's, um, uh, it, it's always important to have defensive. Um, and uh, I think at this point, you do want to have uh, probably more of them. Now, defensive doesn't mean holding more cash or anything else. It's about buying company that has, uh, you know, earnings that's not um, linked to the economic cycle, because we know the cycle is somewhat slowing. And, you know, some markets is slowing faster than the others. And then we've got this inflation uh, that hopefully has peaked in some markets, uh, but markets like ours probably still going higher. So all of that uncertainty ahead you want more defensive um, uh, characteristic within the portfolio so you want to own companies that earnings doesn't require um, you know economic uh, like activity to be red hot so things like healthcare normally sits really really well in that kind of bucket got it thank you I can see Philip nodding as well so we'll get on to the next company because this one is potentially not a household name. So this is base resources. BSE is the ticker code. This is for John. And I like getting a bit of context as well. So thanks for that, John. He's holding it. So he already owns some of it. Um, so he would just like a view on base resources. So this is a mineral sands producer, I do believe. Yep. So it's a producer, not just an explorer, but it is producing in Africa when it comes to these uh, mineral sands. Uh, Philip, do you know the company? I know a little bit about it. We, we cover the mineral sand space yeah. and we like the space. Uh, this company is interesting. It's got it's paying a dividend, which is mm -hmm. for a mining company of their size, uh, 350 bill market cap. It's, it's quite impressive. It's producing a lot of cash. Mineral sands are used for things like paints and plastics and, uh, and other household goods. Uh, we like it as a space. The concern I have is their current mine, which is a good one, ends 2024, so two years to go. Uh, they have plans to expand into another mine in the region and they've got guidance out there or consensus is for another 700 million in capital expenditure over the next three years. Mm -hmm. So you've got a 350 mil market cap company planning to expand uh, in an interest rate rising environment needing yeah. 700 million in capital expenditure um, in the next three years. So how are they going to fund it, what, what price, um, etc. So there's concern to me that there might be a capital raising at some stage or a big debt raising, uh, etc. A related company in the US overnight called Chemmores, um, uh, which is listed, which makes uh, titanium based products, which is also used in, in paint and plastics, etc. Put out a pretty negative trading up, they saying demand for their products, particularly in Europe and Asia, have fallen, mm -hmm. have weakened. So similar, but not the same. And their share price has fallen off. So if the thematic is coming off and companies planning an expansion, spending twice its market cap, that's reason to be cautious. Um, so maybe now the time to take some profits. I'd have it as a sell until you work. They tell us what they're doing with their capital expenditure over the next three years. So it's a sell for me based on short-term thematics and big capital raise or big requirement for uh, for capital versus mm -hmm. their current market cap. Got it. Yeah, Jumei, did you have to do a bit of uh, digging? Excuse the pun for this one. That's right. Absolutely. Um, look, I, I, I absolutely agree with uh, Phil. Um, in terms of mineral sands, I think the outlook is uh, it, it is a little bit tougher. Um, and uh, just when you think about the paint, paint is, is used for um, you know finished houses and finished products. So it's a late cycle cyclical, they call it. So you know, right now we're seeing the housing market 
has been really tough in China for the last little while, um, and it's going to be a little bit tougher further on. So China has been a big consumer of that, and it's going to um, is is uh, it, you know is going. We can see early indications of that's going to come off. So outlook doesn't look great, um, and then you see the housing market around the world is sort of cooling off as well here in Australia also. So in 12 months time, demand will be pretty tough. So um, and that is a space that you know you do feel they have had a bit of hot air. You know, the share price has performed quite well. So I'll be taking profit at this point. Yeah, okay. So there we go. Take some profits if you've made them, John. Thanks for writing in. And I think that dovetails quite nicely, Jumbe, with the next company on our list as well. This is Brickworks, BKW. This is for George. So Brickworks was out with its result uh, just day before yesterday, day before the holiday, I think it was. It was a pretty solid FY22 result. Um, it's an interesting one because it's obviously leveraged to the housing market, the housing cycle. I remember speaking with the CEO, Lindsay Partridge, ages ago, you know, right when housing prices were going gangbusters and he had flagged the fact that you were going to see a lot of smaller builders go bust because he saw that inflationary um, pulse really coming. Um, so I suppose the question is when it comes to Brickworks, is it too Bay really exposed to this slowdown in housing, or is the thematic here in Australia where we continue to need to build, we are still short on supply when it comes to housing. It does have pro uh, property play itself as well, and it's got an overseas business. So how do all the some of those parts add up for Brickworks for you? Yeah, look, um, I've always felt Brickworks is as a almost a conglomerate. It's a little bit confusing as a you know what it means for an investor. Um, so um, you know, it's a company that's been around for a very long time. Um, a lot of time, it's been purchased um, by investor as a dividend yield play, um, you know, and then with a bit of property play as well. Um, and the most recent result, it um, it had a good result. The property uh, sale was very strong because they had a big pipeline and they sort of all came through. And you know, the result was very good. Um, however, um, you know, going forward, so we are seeing that um, you know the forward indicator for uh, housing perhaps will be uh, will be weaker, but. Uh, the pipeline is very strong at this point. So I do think, you know, even the housing market may come off a little bit uh, because of the backlog. Remember the, all the supply chain issues and things. Uh, we will have a bit more activity extended as we have heard from the CSR. Uh, we have heard a couple of other material companies. So, you know, these extended activity will still be there. So for this company, um, look, you know, they will have a reasonable earnings, but not looking much growth. I think next year's earnings might be a little bit tough just because the property earnings is, uh, you know, one-off in nature. You can't really capitalize on that um, and then they don't have the big pipeline that's coming through in the next few years so uh, for me it's um, you know I, I wouldn't be holding it but if you hold it it's a it's a five percent dividend yield uh, it's not expensive uh, it's a business well managed it's been managed for many years it's probably a hold got it hold from Jumbe but to, to Jumbe's point not expensive it, like what do you think of the price of Brickworks it's probably close to fair value based on analyst forecasts uh, but for me it's a buy because it has been listed for a while. So it's the, one of the more interesting parts of their presentation, I thought, is for the last 54 years, 54, they've delivered 12% per annum returns to shareholders. Oh, really? So that's not a bad track that's record? That's not a bad track record. So it's, it's long enough to give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, so they'll, yeah, interest rate rises are, um, are, are a headwind. But it's more diversified than people realise. They published their NTA, which is about $30 per share about half of that is Solpats. So mm -hmm. it's, yeah, the interest rate rises are a headwind, but it's more diversified that and it's got a long-term track record of delivering through the cycle. So it, 
with a $30 NTA, I think share price is uh, in the low 20s, there's a fair big margin for error. So for those who do think longer term, I think it's a buy on a long-term basis, despite there might be some volatility in the short term. The company's delivered for 54 years. It's a good bottom draw to stock, uh, for want of a better phrase. Wonderful. And we'll be speaking with Lindsay Partridge again. I believe it's Tuesday, 9 o'clock, if you'd like to tune in. We'll put it up online as well. So before we get to a little bit of a pause in proceedings, let's get to number five on the list. This is Latitude Group Holdings, LFS. This is for Gareth. Um, Am I allowed to call you Phil or do I have, do you, you make call calls you Phil? Phil? Okay, Phil, over to you, Latitude. <laughs> it's a sell from me. Um, okay. It's uh, the sectors in the in the naughty quarter in the Simbin. Uh, interest rate rises, are one for one cost increase uh, for their industry, for them directly. It takes a while to put, um, pr uh, you know, rates rises through, uh, but the costs increases are borne up front. They've seen volumes come off to flat, uh, failed M&A with HUM uh, sort of gone astray. Mm -hmm. So where's the growth going to come from? The headwinds are obvious. Uh, it's it's a tough. So I think consensus has um, you know not a lot of um, not a lot of growth coming in. It's just not a sector you need to play. And this company in particular hasn't really delivered in the last 12 months, so it's uh, it's an easy avoid for me. Yeah, because it's not long listed, of course, and that is yeah. not June Bay. I don't know if you can see it there at home, but it's not an attractive looking chart. It's been you know a bit of a pain <laughs> trade for people who bought in at the IPO, which which we should say was, you know, it was delayed. I mean, it took a lot to get this company to market in the first place. Oh, absolutely. It took a couple of years, I think, a few goes. And uh, and I was surprised I actually managed to pull it off. Um, so the share price chart certainly uh, has gone the wrong way. <laughs> it's meant to be from one side to the other. Yeah. Um, and uh, look, so uh, look, um, essentially, this is a consumer, uh, consumer credit business. Now, you don't want to buy a consumer credit business in the slowing consumer environment. So for two reasons, right? So first reason, is that um, you know uh, well the theory. So first reason is that um, you know your overall volume is facing a bit of tough time because you know people are probably getting let, um, buying less things and uh, so that your volume will drop. Um, at the same time, um, perhaps consumer might be lower end consumer who probably use a lot of those products might be under a bit more pressure in financially given the mortgages and cost of living so you know so your default your um, your loss rate uh, might start going higher and for those companies that are very sensitive to um, you know to what those long loss ratio will be um, and at the same time as Phil touched on that um, the cost of borrowing is higher these guys these guys are not the bank they don't generate the credit so they will have to borrow it from the bank and the bank has already put up prices. Um, so they sort of stuck in the middle that their margin really will get squeezed during this period. Um, and depending on how bad, you know, our consumer might get to, uh, it may be okay, but regardless, um, you know, profits going backwards uh, in this environment and you just don't want to buy a business when earnings going backwards, um, you know, in, in the current market uh, well, uh, environment. Yeah. It's a sell. Yeah, okay, so we've got the two sells for Latitude. All right, we are at the halfway mark. So June Bailey, you have a sip of water. Phil as well. I'll sum up what we've learned so far. My notes are an absolutely disaster today, but I do know that Computer Share is a double buy. So both my guests would buy. It's uh, generating a lot of cash. Now June Bay says it could look to buy businesses with that cash. Um, regardless, Phil says that look, it's got very strong guidance going forward. So there you go, Harvey Norman. It is a sell for both of my guests. It's just in a tough place right now as consumer sentiment wanes. And um, yeah, Phil says, look, there's 
it's fully priced. There's, there's better opportunities. It's a sell. QBE, it's a buy for both of my guests as well. It's a defensive name in Jumbe's view also. Um, look, Phil says that it's looking to improve its profitability. Don't forget it's exposed to investments in the bond market. So it's a buy from both of my guests. Base resources. So Jumbe calls this a late cycle cyclical company. So it's a sell for her. We're seeing slowdowns in property markets that uses some of the mineral sands in uh, some supplies that are used in the property market. So that could be a bit of a, a negative for that. It's also a, a sell for Phil because he says that it's planning to spend up big time in the next few years. It's a red flag. How are they gonna fund that big CapEx project? Um, so yeah, that's a sell. John, if you've made any money, try to cash it in. It's only money on paper, I guess, until you sell. Uh, Brickworks, it's a hold from Jumbe. She just thinks it's a tough environment going forward for any company that's leveraged to the property market. Um, but Phil has some confidence in management. He says, look at its track record. So it is a long-term buy for Phil. And Latitude Financial Group, look, they're both selling. They just don't see any reason to be in that space right now, just in general, not to mention that Latitude has had a pretty tough go of it since listing. So we have a couple of contenders for this high conviction fund that we track here at Ausbiz. It's picked by our investment committee. If you'd like to watch it, you just have to go to ausbiz.com.au and at the top there's a tab that says series and you can go to investment committee there. Here's an update on the portfolio. So as we look there, you can see still holding about 10% cash. We've got Universal Store, NextDC, Lottery Corp, Resmez, and Audits Minerals all out at the last meeting. But we have a lot of action. We put Karoon Energy, Boss Resources, Washington H. Solpat's Premier Investments, and South 32 into the portfolio, which is up by 1.4%, let's call it that, on a cumulative return basis since its inception on the 1st of March. So how it works, you send your questions into us on this program. We put them to our guests. If it is a double buy, we put it to the investment committee. If it's a double sell, we also put that to the investment committee. If it's a company that's in the portfolio and say, what do you want to do? So uh, we will look forward to, uh, to adding, well, QBE and computer share to that next conversation. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Welcome back to the program. This is the call on Friday, September the 23rd. Wonderful to have you with us now or listening later, which I know a lot of you do uh, to the podcast version of this program. So coming up next, we've got ServeCorp for Pat. We've got Coles Group coming up. Ragusa Minerals, RAS is the ticker code there. I think I've said that right. Boral and Saunders International, which is SND for Perry. So let's start, shall we? ServeCorp, SRV is the ticker code. This is for Pat. No context as to whether uh, Pat is a buyer, you know, currently a holder of this company. So Jumbe, I'll start with you on ServeCorp. I know UBS said that it delivered a very solid result last time around. Came through at the upper end of guidance. Operating conditions, though, you would think are challenging for ServeCorp, you know, considering what's going on in the broader economy and office space. 
Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's tough because, uh, you know, uh, especially here in Australia, the um, many people have yet to return to the office 100% of the time. And, uh, you know, there's also structural changes about how, you know, uh, flexible work, working condition and places uh, where people can work. Um, certainly, it's earnings recovery and recovering and expectations for the stock for the next four months is not very high. It's not expensive. It's Um, but my view is that, look, if I want office exposure, um, you know, I will be going out to buy the likes of Dexas, um, you know, also very, very cheap, but number one top tier, uh, sort of um, top tier office space around Australia, um, you know, trading at a big discount, I think something like t uh, 15, 20% discount to NTA. Um, and, um, you know, it, if it stays that cheap, um, you'll probably will be taken private at some point. So, you know, so for me to gain exposure to offices, which is not exciting space, um, you know, I'd much rather to buy the uh, more premium space, um, sort of office space, rather than um, where Surfcorp, where Surfcorp is operating. And, and also for that Surfcorp's um, sort of, you know, um, marketplace, there's a lot more competition now coming through. Uh, if you look around, you know, some of their properties are getting a little bit dated and uh, the competition is actually, um, you know, quite quite strong. So, um, yeah, so for me, I, I wouldn't be holding it. Um, I, I will sell it. And if I want office exposure, I will be buying vectors. But just sort of reading between the lines there, Junbei, it sounds like you're not, you know, yeah, Dexas, you'd be a preferred pick in this space, but it doesn't sound like you're rushing out to buy Dexas either. No, look, at property trust is very difficult at this point. They all have a lot of debt. To remember, high interest rate means the debt is uh, is going to impact their earnings. All of these companies probably means uh, uh, won't have much earnings growth. Um, if anything, there will be they, most of them will be earnings downgrades. Now, um, depends on how the uh, contract is structured. So the retail centers, uh, such as Center Group and the like, they have a straight inflation pass-through. So something like 80, 85% of portfolio has the inflation pass-through. So at least that can hedge somewhat with high, you know, to offset the high interest rate. Whereas uh, offices, it depends really contract to contract. So um, yeah, so office space, uh, the property trust space is going to be tough just because of the high interest rate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you agree with uh, Junbei's sentiments about the sector overall and then specifically Surfcorp? For the sector, yes. For Surfcorp, absolutely not. <gasps> We've uh, got some disagreement I happening here, finally. I have a strong buy, Junbei. Uh, strong buy. <laughs> strong buy on Surfcorp. Uh, for basically for the exact reasons that Junbei mentioned, not so own it. Um, Surfcorp is a flexible office space provider uh, and it actually facilitates working from home that m many people don't realise. So. They, let me just one thing, 90% um, of their revenue is offshore. Uh, so a lot of people get preoccupied with what's happening in Australia and Victoria where we're still working from home. Not the case overseas. Our government subsidies meant that more people could stay at home. Where there weren't government subsidies, people are back to the office mm -hmm. more frequently. Surfcorp offers um, three to 12 month leases that can you can bolt on an office as you need it, you can take it off as you need it. But they offer a, a service, a, a virtual office package, which means you can have a Barangaroo address, you can have your mail and phone go through Barangaroo, but sit in the suburbs working from home, but look like you work in the city and come to the city when you want. That is one of the reasons why their profits, uh, why they turned a profit uh, during the, the lockdowns because a lot of their customers were working from home anyway. They just didn't come to the cities as, as often as they wanted. A lot of the research put out by the global property companies, that is the new norm. People want hybrid workspace and a lot of them are converting um, floors into more flexible offices trying to compete with Surfcorp. Despite the competition that Jumbei mentioned, a lot of those companies are bleeding money. One of the more famous ones is WeWork. Mm -hmm. um, 
which despite being a, a market disruptor, despite pricing aggressively, losing over a billion US per annum. Not only that, but WeWork is very different than SurfCorp. Very different. Like SurfCorp, you can sort of, even if you are in the office, you have your own, yeah. you could think that you're just in somebody's regular office. Correct. So yeah. SurfCorp, for example, has a presence in this building, which yeah. is a tier one building. So uh, SurfCorp will offer uh, a quality building access to the small to medium sized mm -hmm. enterprise. You can't afford to take out a whole floor on Chifley Tower or number one Barangaroo, number three Barangaroo. Um, the WeWork were more cheap and cheerful. You're sitting in a coffee shop with your laptop. Yeah. You're now sitting in a WeWork uh, office with your ribbed jeans and a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. Whereas SurfCorp has always targeted lawyers, bankers, accountants, those who actually need to be in an office. So mm -hmm. they have never not paid a dividend, um, their entire listed history. And we talk about uh, exposure to cash. They have 110 million in cash, no debt, zero debt, um, and 20% of their market cap is generated in free cash flow each year. Um, the company would probably be taken out by private equity or a bigger competitor if the managing director wanted to sell. He owns 51% of the company, he's not selling. It's on nine times PE, 6% dividend yield, spits out a lot of cash. It is the new norm, or what they do is the new norm for me. It's a strong buy, because uh, demand for traditional office space is declining, but um, serviced offices is actually growing stronger. Jim Bay. Has he convinced you? Uh, look, uh, <laughs> actually, it sounds pretty good. Um, but I must say that uh, it does sound pretty good. Um, but I must say that, um, you know, for this company, is uh, they had had a couple a tough few years um, and for them to really uh, continue to grow and take opportunity of changing working condition uh, they do need to spend in their office space um, you know I myself have visited quite a few service um, service corp office as well as a couple of new ones um, by a number of new competitors in the market um, you know you do need to um, you know refresh and spend um, so that's one point and the second point is um, I absolutely agree the work environment is going to change it's no longer about sitting in front of a desk it's about collaboration, you know, the collaborative working environment. And I do think a lot of large, um, you know, office uh, property trusts, um, they are so well capitalized and they are not going to sit still. I really think some of those new offices that's been built in the future is going to accommodate that new working environment. So, um, you know, just on that basis, I do think that um, competition is coming. Uh, it's important for this business to keep spending um, and keep growing and be innovative about what they could do. Right, good. Okay, so there we go. That's what makes a market, isn't it? So strong buy coming from Phil, and we've got uh, still Junbei sticking with her cell on SurfCorp. Let's go to Cole's group, shall we? We know it. Many of us go there ourselves, sometimes more than we would like to. I feel like I'm at the grocery store every second day. I don't know why. Um, but regardless, uh, look, their thought about being really defensive names, you know, Woolworths, Coles, and a downturn. Um, but is that actually the case this time around because we're coming out of such an extraordinary period being the pandemic? Junbei, do you consider Coles a defensive uh, operator, a defensive potentially part of your portfolio? Uh, no, I think uh, it's like, it looks supermarkets, they're normally defensive as in people have to visit supermarket every day or, um, you know, once a week and buy certain amounts. Um, and now, but remember, these guys, as you said, has been a huge beneficiary of people staying at home. Now, Coles is, um, you know, because of their, um, you know, they're, they're, a lot of their centers are actually more city driven. So, you know, with people working from home, their earning actually somewhat was impacted compared to the likes of Metcash when people were all working out of suburbs. Um, but to look, 
you know, supermarkets, people have over-indexed with supermarkets um, and that they have now um, benefiting from high inflation as well because they're pushing through price increases. Normally, you actually see the margin grow uh, for Coles and Woolworths. Um, the share price has come off and however next 12 months is going to look a little bit tougher because if you look at the margin the fresh food um, uh, sort of inflation is already coming off so uh, probably another good quarter of inflationary um, numbers for these guys um, and uh, and then secondly that uh, consumer probably will return to work um, and you know going out to um, perhaps you know, restaurant for some time rather than cooking at home. So, you know, there's a lot of headwind coming through in the next 12 months. For me, it's probably a neutral because if the share price come off, it's not as expensive compared to Woolworth. Woolworth is still very expensive. Um, and uh, however, I just think, you know, facing consumer uh, slowdown environment uh, with a company over-indexed with what they've been earning, um, you know, it, it's going to be a little bit, little bit tougher. Okay, um, to Jimbe's point, Phil, I bought a lettuce yesterday, not at Coles, but at a competitor for $1.70, uh, you know, just proving that these prices will retreat. You know, we're not going to be looking at food inflation. They've got to pay energy. They've got to pay their staff. You know, how do you see the outlook for these big players, particularly Coles? Look, I, I agree with Jimbe. The food supply has definitely benefited while we're all working from home uh, and in some cases definitely benefited from food inflation, which is starting to come off. What isn't coming off is logistics costs, electricity costs, etc. So you think some headwinds there. The only advantage I'd give them over, say, Woolies is the perception that they are the cheaper offering. So as consumers look to trade down certain items, more household goods, more cheaper version, more cheaper experiences, yes, there's Aldi, uh, but versus Woolies, they may pick up some market share versus Woolies, which will make them to some extent defensible. Um, but the stock is priced fairly attractively, so I wouldn't say it's a sell, but it, it is a hold only on valuation given that um, its outlook is pedestrian, um, consensus isn't forecasting a lot, it is the cheaper of the, the two, uh, so if you had to own it, you'd own them, but it's a hold at best. Yeah, Jim, just to clarify, that was a hold for you, correct, was it? That's right, that's yeah. a hold. Okay, we've got a hold for calls. Nothing really in either one of those responses to, to shoot the lights out or get us too excited about calls. Um, you know what one thing investors, at least Aussie investors, seem to be always, um, yeah, always really interested by is lithium. And so that's the next company on the list, Ragusa Minerals, RAS is the ticker code. This is from Melissa. I don't know a lot about the company. Um, Jumbe, I know you guys have a team there that looks at commodities quite, um, you know, quite closely. It, what's the team saying about Ragusa Minerals? Look, uh, uh, actually, our team, this one seems to be very early stage <laughs> yeah. and uh, um, it's uh, in the whole exploration space. And, uh, you know, certainly in the, in the current environment with the volatility about macro outlook, um, you know, certainly I don't want to be exposed to um, to a, a very early stage exploration company. Um, just looking through, um, you know, on Bloomberg, what it says, so, so um, explore gold. Um, look, you know, share price gone up uh, because exploration company, if they come up with any new um, uh, uh, finding and it's positive, you certainly will see spike like this. Um, but it's remember, it is very, very difficult, costs a lot of money and a lot of disappointment to get to actual um, sort of production for most of the businesses. Um, so for most of those production companies, um, you know, pre-production companies. So it is very risky. Um, I wouldn't be touching it um, and um, much rather to be, you know, established, investing, established, uh, producing businesses um, at this point. Yeah, because Phil, I think to Jimbe's point, we're spoiled for choice really when it comes to a lot of these lithium explorers here in Australia, but we do have producers. I mean, why wouldn't you as an investor just stick with the producers 
save yourself a bit of pain of that whole process of you know exploring and, and getting uh, you know things into production depends on your appetite for risk mm -hmm. so you tend not to get those sorts of price moves on those already producing the the, the risk junkies like the, the pre-production companies. What concerns me about this stock is that move was largely based on the announcement they put out on the 11th of August where they put out a feasibility study mm -hmm. update which really moved the share price um, and then they got a please explain from the ASX about the share price move. Uh, we've seen before in lithium stocks it often takes longer than people think, costs often greater than people think. So when you see a share price move like that off one announcement of not a lot of volume for a market cap this size, I would be taking profits um, and switching into something safer. If, you, if you've earned those sorts of returns on a, a specy like this one, I would take profits and move on to something else. It, it's a sell for me based on that was a big share price move off an okay trading update, but still a long way mm -hmm. to go to profitability. Uh, is there any lithium company that is preferred in your view? I, I don't have a preference for any. Mm -hmm. It's not a, not a it, it's a good long-term thematic, um, but personally, no, I don't, yeah. I don't look at the space. Got it. Thanks. So that's Ragusa Minerals. Melissa, do hope yeah. that helps. And then we get to sort of, uh, yeah, well-worn ground with Boral being the next on the list. This one is for Mary. Again, I, I feel I can't help but think we're going to be able to avoid um, talking about cyclicality in terms of Boral. Yeah, if, if you just look at the earnings, what they've delivered and the outlook, you're tempted to think of it as a sell. Um, downgraded twice into the last financial year, hit by weather issues in New South Wales and Queensland where they couldn't get the products out the door, uh, cyclicality, interest rate rises, etc. Um, they're trying to pull prices up, price rises don't always stick. It's tempted to think you don't need to be there. Um, but then they've got a major shareholder who owns 70% of the company um, who bought it at a higher price and you always wonder what are their intentions and what can they do given that their major shareholder is also on the board as the chair. So if it wasn't for the presence of someone who could perhaps step in and change the future, I would say the stock is a sell. Um, but the, I'm going to call it a hold because near-term outlook, not great. You know, uh, Consensus is forecasting. Um, you know, okay results, not great results. Um, a lot of headwinds, but with a 70% shareholder there in, in, in seven group, they might become 100% in, in a year's time if the share price continues to fall. So for me, it's a hold because of the uh, competing competing um, pressures. Okay, um, Jube, would that be enough to make you hold or potentially even buy Boral? I mean, is it looking cheap or, you know, considering it had two downgrades, I think in the in the second half? I mean, would you ever buy a company like this that's in the midst of a downgrade cycle? Yeah, look, um, uh, would I be buying it? No, I'll be watching it for some time. Um, I would, if, but if I have it, would, um, will I sell it? <laughs> Probably it's more in that whole territory, simply because it has had a really rough time. <laughs> uh, you know, the, all the rain is not great for borrow. You know, they used to say every time when, there's, when it's raining, um, borrow is ready for another downgrade. So something like, you know, one day rain is costing a million dollars or something like that. So, you know, look, it's really tough for them to go through. Um, and they have had also, you know, uh, just a lot of very challenging environment uh, the in terms of material price increases um, you know they try to put price increase through um, but it doesn't stick so even though with such shortage it doesn't stick so it's a very commoditized space um, and it's really about being larger the bigger and trying to drive efficiency now 
Put that aside, that's why it's share price where it is today. Now, I do rate Vic um, enormously, and he took over CleanAway many years ago, and uh, he really turned away, clean, uh, turn around CleanAway. Um, and uh, now that he has joined Borrow, which you know, you've seen on the day of announcement, share price went up close to 10%, um, but because a lot of investors share my sentiment. Um, you know, and uh, so we do think that uh, he will potentially be able to help this business to turn around. Um, and uh, that's why I'm saying you probably want to wait and see. Um, and um, but to rush out by, probably no hurry because uh, you know we still can see rain pretty much every day. And uh, you know, and then the environment hasn't got any easier for this company. Yeah, and the Vic that you're referring to is Vic Mansell, who yeah was the CEO of CleanAway. So particularly when we are facing all of these headwinds, um, like management becomes even more important, doesn't it? I mean, management's always important, but you do need mm -hmm. to have a very strong management team, ability to execute through cycles, uh, you know, right now at this point in time, correct, June? June Absolutely, absolutely. I think if, especially for top business like this one, uh, it's a you know a industrial business that is uh, have a lack of pricing power, um, and so all it needs is actually you know to drive efficiency. And Vic has done this the same thing to clean away many years ago. So you know it does give uh, a future investor you know a huge amount of confidence uh, about what he could do. But you know he, probably, he just got in, so mm -hmm. give him some time. Uh, but uh, I do think yeah, no, absolutely important. Okay, so that's a hold, but it's a watch. There could be a time for Boral Mary. Um, Saunders International, SND is the ticker code. This is for Perry. I think I've had a conversation with you about Saunders before, we Phil. Yeah, you yeah. know it very well. So just um, enlighten us all. I like it. Uh, it's a buy for me. It's an engineering and construction company. So it, it builds bridges, builds fuel storage tanks, builds roads, etc. So it's exposed to a non-discretionary spend sector. Every year, we will the governments, uh, government will spend spending. on infrastructure. So it's not consumer driven. It is government spending, and we, we can't spend enough. For example, um, fuel storage um, is an area they focus on. We import about 90% of our fuel. Um, if there's a world war, where do we get our fuel from? We might get um, some blockage. We might see fuel prices hike. Who would have thought that might happen? Um, the recommendation is for us to have 90 days worth of fuel mm -hmm. storage. We've got somewhere between 50 and 70 days, depending on usage, uh, we might run out of fuel. So there's over a billion dollars in government spending uh, and defence spending to get more fuel storage in Australia. They built, Saunders built fuel storage tags and has been winning um, uh, contracts over mm -hmm. the last few years. Um, New South Wales is an ageing country. We have a lot of infrastructure that needs to be upgraded. For example, our bridges that connect country to city. A lot of them made out of wood, a lot of them are dilapidated. There's 500 million in what's called the Fixing New South Wales Bridges projects being allocated to upgrade our infrastructure. Saunders is winning their fair share of those um, contracts. So there's a lot of work out there. Their work in hand has doubled over the last 12 months to $192 million, but they have a tender book of over $1.3 billion, which is up 30% from December. So the amount of work is growing. There's a finite number of companies that can do it. None of them can get staff, so margins aren't falling. They've all got cost pressures, but the ultimate customer, the governments, the, the defence force, you just can't get staff. So there's no discounting going on to win these contracts. So you'd think there's a good two to five years of predictable earnings for the sector, and they should benefit from that. It's on five times EV to EBITDA. We like the space. We like the company. Um, we think it's a buy.
I think you just answered my question, but whenever we talk about you know these companies winning contracts, we talk about margin compression. So you yeah. do not think that uh, you know because it's such a competitive landscape that that Saunders International will have to sacrifice margin. So they've increased their margins over the last three years from EBITDA of about four percent to seven percent. Uh -huh. um, so it's actually gone up. Uh, the way they've done that is the industry stopped discounting because costs are up for everyone. Yeah. So um, there's no point in discounting a contract and then finding you don't have the labour to deliver mm -hmm. it. Um, the, the ongoing dialogue the contractors are having with their ultimate customers is saying, we can't provide you the work this month. We need 12 to 18 months. And by the way, it's going to cost you. Um, things like um, input prices that can vary per day. The quotes the companies are giving these days are valid for a week because commodity prices change. Uh, if your decision takes longer than a week, it gets repriced on mm. Monday. So they're passing these um, the prices through before they take on the contract. So margins are steady. They, they probably have stopped going up, mm -hmm. um, but they're not going down because we're at full, full employment. So you don't need to discount to be more work when your capacity is full. You keep your book full for longer is what I'm seeing at the moment. Interesting. All right. Uh, Saunders International, what's your view, Jumbe? I must say, I love this program because every time uh, I always learn something and find a company I never looked into before, and it looks um, very interesting. Now, this company, um, absolutely, I'm with Phil. Um, you know, it, it seems to have, uh, have been around for a long time, very good track record, um, very strong pipeline, which means visibility for earnings is very, very high. So pretty much with the um, sort of pipeline that they have in the, you know, uh, in uh, to come, uh, you know, next year, next 12 months, uh, uh, earning revenue is pretty, pretty certain. Um, and uh, very strong balance sheet. Um, they can continue to make, make bolt on and industry environment is favorable and it doesn't look like margin is um, is, is looking pretty stable. So, um, you know, on that basis, I think it looks, uh, it, it looks pretty attractive. I will be a buyer. We've got another double buy to finish this Friday session of the call. That's fantastic, guys. Um, look, I just would like to end with a more general question about markets and strategy right now because, you know, after the week that we've had, there's lots of people out there wondering what sort of strategy to sort of use toward the end of the year. Junbei, are you of the view that we could see further falls coming through, in, at least at the index level between now and the end of the year? If so, how is that sort of helping you form your decision making process about what to buy and when? Look, from now until probably end of this calendar year, we'll probably think the equity market will probably more sideways trending. You will have a lot of volatility simply because we will have interest rate, uh, you know, Federal Reserve will continue to put up their interest rate and our um, RBA will continue to follow um, and our inflation will continue to grind higher and will not even peak for Australia. So all of that together means that. Uh, you know, earnings, it will be it will be uncertain moments. Um, now, for me as an active investor, I love that kind of environment uh, because simply because we can short the companies, we think the earnings are going to be challenged or the sectors that have issues. Um, and then we can buy um, our favorite companies that, uh, um, you know, that the structural leaders that they, um, you know, they expected to deliver growth for the portfolio. So, you know, so this environment is actually really, really good for active investors, uh, but it just got to be very rational and following where the earning might go. Um, and don't go with, um, I think this market is very important not to trade with sentiment. Uh, it's almost you need to be a little bit contrarian in the current market because you, you um, because of the volatility 
volatility, um, you know, can lose return quite quickly if you start following the trend, following the hurt, um, and uh, you know that trend can reverse very quickly. So stick with fundamental, focus on stocks, um, you know, and then the return opportunity is enormous. Focus on those really quality companies. Yeah, and as an analyst, Phil, I mean, there must be, and that's the thing, is that we do get really caught up, and I'm not saying it's it's not natural, but in the share price falls that we see happening on a day-to-day basis off of macro headlines. But the reality is, is there, there must be good opportunities emerging as well. Agree. I mean, you get days like today, hey, we, were, we had our public holiday yesterday, which didn't help. Yeah. But we're down heavily because of the US interest rate rises. But some of the companies we've discussed today have put out pretty strong earnings updates for the next 12 months. So I agree with Jim Bay, markets will probably go sideways for the range of the year with a lot more volatility. And you'll get days like today where the baby might get thrown out with the bathwater and it'll throw up some companies who aren't negatively impacted by interest rate rises, aren't negatively impacted by a weaker consumer, but they'll be sold off um, almost in proportion and they'll present good long-term buying opportunities. So if you're watching and you probably need to watch more carefully at the moment than you have historically, it's a good opportunity to pick up good long-term buys. They might fall before they go up, but mm-hmm. if you pick a good company, like we mentioned one that's delivered over 10% per annum over 50 years, if you get an opportunity to buy something like that cheaply, buy it, put it in the bottom drawer, you'll be happier in three to five years' time. Got it. Thanks, guys. Now, I'll just recap what we've learned in this past half hour or so. So this is one of the few points of contention between my two guests today. It is a strong buy, serve Corp for Phil, but uh, Jube is not attracted to it, even though I think he, he put his case forward quite well. She was uh, listening intently, but yeah, not enough to convince her to buy Surf Corp. She's got a sell on that. It is a hold for both of my guests when it comes to Coles Group. Uh, nothing to get too excited about there. Ragusa Minerals, Phil would be taking profit, so it's a sell if you did benefit from that recent uh, announcement that did see that significant uptick in its share price. Jube, you know, she just agrees it's too difficult in some of these early stage um, explorers doesn't matter what the commodity is she says avoid it uh, don't touch it Boral, it's a watch and a hold for both of my guests Jimbei says there could be a turnaround coming it will take a long time to execute no need you know the words of Phil to go out and buy this now by any stretch of the imagination um, but Saunders International this is uh, a buy from both of my guests uh, Phil knows the company very well you heard his case there and Jimbei well it's so nice to hear Jimbei that you still love doing the call after all this time. We love having you on board with us. Junbei, thank you so much. I hope you have a really good weekend. We'll speak soon. You too. Thank you for having me. And also Phil, my, my new friend, I'm calling him Phil Pepe from <laughs> Sean Parters. Philip, thank you. Thank Appreciate you. you coming in as well. That was a Appreciate really good program. And thank you for watching. Don't go anywhere though. We've got a buy, hold and a sell in the small cap space coming up with Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Stay with us. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.